You're listening to an audio message from Palm Vista Community Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit palmvista.org. All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church. We're going to be continuing this morning our mini-series, actually finishing this morning, our mini-series in the book of Philippians. If you're a guest here this morning, perhaps you're new to church, you're not you know, you're new to the Bible even. Uh, we have Bibles for you here in the back. You can pick one up. You can take this home with you. Uh, we're going to be studying in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. If you grab one of these Bibles, that'll be on page 570, so you don't have to know much about the Bible to find it. Just turn to 570, and uh, that's where we'll be studying in the book of Philippians. So uh, you can find that and follow along with us. And we've been learning uh, from the book of Philippians what it means to rejoice in God, what it means to to live out our lives as those who have been purchased by the gospel. And this morning, specifically, one implication of our lives that we're going to be talking about is what it means to rejoice in our awesome God. You know, we're here in Miami of people who know how to rejoice, don't we? Um, We like to party. We can turn pretty much anything into a party, whether it's, you know, a first birthday party is usually way bigger than it needs to be. Quinces, uh, right? I'm sure somebody here, I, I would not be surprised if someone here has had a party for a kid losing a first tooth. Anybody done that? I feel like there's probably someone. Okay. We, um, we love the party down here. That's one of the things I learned very quickly when I moved down. Uh, we love the party. We love to rejoice. Uh, and we love to have a good time. And, uh, and that's, that's not a bad thing. Um, I think something that we have a little bit harder time doing is learning how to rejoice in things that are, that are eternal, not just the stuff that's here and now that's right in our face, but learning how to rejoice, how to delight in that which is everlasting and eternal, how to delight in our awesome God. And so this morning, uh, my prayer, and I believe God's heart for us this morning, is that we would look at his word and see and celebrate who this awesome God is. And as we do that, it would stir our hearts to rejoice. So pray with me, and then we'll begin reading in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Lord, you are so generous with us that you have given us your words. It is so wonderful that we actually have the the scriptures, the the very words of God himself that we can study together, that we can read together, we can be moved and affected by, Lord, and that that you can can engage with us through these words this morning. And God, I I just pray that we would open our hearts this morning. Would you give us, as a people, uh, sensitive hearts, Lord, sensitive ears of our hearts, sensitive eyes to see you, that you would stir up rejoicing in our hearts as we enter into your word, Lord. Uh, free my lips to speak clearly, Lord. I, I pray that you would speak through the mud of my voice, uh, that your, your, the diamonds of your scripture would come through, Lord. I pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, read with me Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked And twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. 
Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Well, um, my wife and I, Melinda, we got married about nine years ago at a Chinese chapel down in the heart of Kendall. And uh, it's a beautiful chapel. It was big enough to hold like half the city of Miami that we brought to our wedding. And, uh, and we followed the tradition that many uh, weddings do where the bride and the groom don't see each other until the ceremony. On the, like not for their whole lives, but just like the day <laughs> of the ceremony. <laughs> not that traditional. Uh, you don't see each other till the moment when you cut. You guys know what I'm talking about. All right. And, uh, and so the day came, right, and, you know, we're getting ready, and, you know, the service starts, and I'm up there uh, waiting for Melinda, and there's this, this building anticipation. Um, and Melinda wrote this, um, this duet. This, she composed, actually, a, a piano and violin duet that played as, as the groomsmen were coming down, as the bridesmaids were coming down, and, and this duet kind of had this building anticipation. It built and built and built, and it was this beautiful, beautiful song. The first time I heard it was at that moment when it was playing, and, uh, and it built up to this moment of this crescendo where it got to the highest point of the song and then the doors open, right? And out comes Melinda dressed in white, looking perfect and beautiful. And um, I don't really know what I did, honestly, at that point. Um, I know I probably wasn't standing still because I have a hard time standing still when I get excited. But I, I know that in that moment, I was caught up in the awe and beauty of this, of this, of this woman that God had given me. Right? I saw her in her beauty and her perfection and her, in, her, in my eyes, just absolute beauty and perfection. And, and I was lost in it. So lost that my heart just, just wanted to, to rejoice. Right? And God's purpose for us and God's purpose for us this morning is that we would be so captivated, so lost in the beauty of this God that we serve, so amazed by his, in awe of his majesty that, that our hearts would be stirred to rejoice in him, that our hearts would be stirred to rejoice in him as we, as we lose ourselves in just adoration and his magnificence, and that, that that stirring to rejoice would leave no room in our hearts for grumbling, would be, leave no room in our hearts for bickering and murmuring and complaining because we're so caught up in the beauty and the majesty of this God. And as we look at our passage this morning, we find Paul uh, building this kind of crescendo in his passage, this, this building up of this, this beauty of God, and is building up to this command that he gives in verse 18 to rejoice with him. He does this a couple of ways. One way is he says the same thing three different ways at three different times. So if you look at verse 12 and towards the end of verse 12, he says, very generally, work out your own salvation. You see that? He says, work out your own salvation. And then he states again in verse 14, uh, more specifically what he's talking about. He does it by presenting it in a negative light. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And then again, you look at verse 18, and, and now this is the crescendo. He says, likewise, you also be glad and rejoice with me. And so he's building this idea, building toward this idea of rejoicing together, rejoicing in this God that is so magnificent and beautiful. And, and spaced out in between those three commands, we have these, these vignettes, these, these notes, this, this melody talking about this beautiful God and why it is that he should cause us to rejoice. So we're going to look 
at that melody this morning, and it begins really with the very first word in the passage. Verse 12, the very first word says, therefore. Therefore, Paul is, is setting this um, section of Scripture in the context that we've been studying for the last two weeks. So this, this sits right in the context of, of this idea of living out the transformation that comes from salvation, right? And, and he says this, that's why he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? It's not a, he's not saying, therefore, uh, work really hard to get saved. This is not a working so that you might be saved. It's a working out the implications of our salvation, uh, this is what we've really been talking about for the last two weeks. It's, it's that idea of Spider-Man, right? That, that, what's the guy's name? Peter Parker. I should remember at this point. Peter Parker gets bit by a spider, right? And he has these transformations that happen, and then he lives his life uh, in, out of the implications of that transformation. It changes the way he thinks. It changes the way he dresses. It changes the way he acts. And so this morning, uh, this is set in that same context. We are obeying. We are to rejoice as an outworking of what Jesus has done on the cross, as an outworking of the transformation that comes because of his love for us. We also find that, that, that this is in the context of the immediate passage we just studied. So remember, the, the, the passage last week ended with this song, this hymn, extolling the greatness of Jesus. Do you remember that? Uh, we talked about how Jesus humbled himself and became a humble servant and then was exalted and, and set on high. And this passage is, is, is continuing. This, therefore, is working out of that as well. And so he says, work out your own salvation. How? With fear and trembling. Work out your salvation looking back to this Jesus who is exalted and glorious on high. Uh, you know, I, I got a text from Al and Desi. Well, I guess Al, uh, just a couple days ago, they're in Colorado on sabbatical. They're moving all over the place. I can't keep track of them, but... Recently, they're in Colorado, and they were going for a walk, and along their walk, if you know Al, he's terrified of, like, dogs, right? And if he sees a dog, well, I'm not, I, I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, anyway, he didn't see a dog. He saw a bear. And, yeah, so they sent us a text message from, like, 40 miles away of this little tiny dog. There's the bear, because they, they immediately start backpedaling, Right? I mean, when you see a bear and you're in the wilderness, there is fear and there is trembling, right? And you just hightail it out of there. Well, uh, this morning, we're to, we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It, it's not the fear that you might fear when you see a bear, but it's the fear of, of, of seeing a God who is exalted and higher and great, uh, far above you, much different than you. Um, this word, this phrase, fear and trembling, in, in Paul's day, uh, really carried with this connotation of awe and reverence. It's how you might feel when you, when you see someone, even like I saw Melinda, and she, just, she was just way out of my league, right? I mean, just awe, reverence. There was a, there was a, a, a reverence and an awe that, that stirred up in my heart. And so here Paul is pointing back to Jesus as the one who's been exalted, super exalted, raised up on high, and that, that this Jesus uh, is to motivate us to joy as we see him in his context as the super exalted king of the universe. But what's incredible is, is we're not just looking at this Jesus as some far distant detached idea of this, of this uh, exalted Jesus, but he's one who's working in us. And so the first reason that we're to rejoice, rejoice this morning is because God is, Jesus is, working in us. 
So look back at the end of verse 12. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you. Not any God. It's the therefore God. It's the God that we just talked about. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling because that awe-inspiring, magnificent, risen, reigning, almighty Jesus, that God is the one who's working in you. He's the one that's working in you. And he's working in you both to will and to work. So we, we work at our salvation. We work hard in the Christian life. We, we work hard at rejoicing because God is working in us because that exalted God is the very one who is intimately involved in our life, giving us the, the spirit and the desire and the will to work. And he sent, I mean, we, we're going to pick back up our series on the Holy Spirit next week, and we're learning about how, how God sent uh, his son to die, and when he raised up and was exalted, he sent his spirit then to dwell with us. And that, that, that is an incredible uh, comfort and joy that we have as Christians. And that, that is the reason why Paul in verse 12 can say, um, to, to do this, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. He says, work out your salvation, not only when I'm here, but when I'm with you. Why? Because you don't need me. <laughs> you got someone way better. You've got Jesus. You've got the Holy Spirit who is, who is dwelling in your hearts. This very God who is exalted on high is, is with us. And so, we, and so we work out our salvation with fear and with trembling. But, you know, the reality is, guys, I mean, unlike on my wedding day, uh, oftentimes rejoicing in the Lord isn't something that just comes natural, right? It's often, it's often very hard to, to, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to keep, keep our eyes fixed on his, his glory and his majesty and have a heart that rejoices and doesn't grumble. Uh, that's often because of things like human weakness, what Adam and Eve didn't have in the garden. We are, we are well... We, we, are, we are weak. We have uh, depression and anxiety. We have exhaustion. Um, we experience pain. I had a toothache the other week. I'm going back for my second root canal on Monday, which I'm excited about. I can't wait, praise the Lord, uh, to live out this, this truth right here. Um, right? Those, those things can, can sometimes sap our joy, can't they? They can suck away this, this, uh, this rejoicing that we have. And there are also times where we just, uh, our hearts get distracted in, in rejoicing in things that are temporary. And we, we don't make time or have time to, to really focus our minds on Christ and rejoice in him. But this is something that he gives us to work at. He says, he says work out your salvation. Open your Bible. Let's, let's dig into this and, and, and seek after it. But, but we remember this, keeping the, the truth in mind that we do this because Christ has purchased us. And so we dig in and, and cultivate a heart that rejoices in the Lord. That rejoices in the Lord because he is the one who is working in us. And so even, even this morning, if you feel like you're at that place and like, man, I just don't have the energy. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm drained. I, I, I can't think about rejoicing in the Lord right now. Even the desire to want to rejoice in the Lord, it says he wills in us both to will and to work. That's a work from the Lord even to desire to want to rejoice in him. And so let's, let's lean into him. Let's lean into that desire, trusting God that he will continue to work in us. Paul carries on. He doesn't stop there. And he continues this melody, talking about what it means to rejoice in our awesome God because he's working in us, but also because he is working through us. He's also working through us. 
So look at, look at verse 14. He, um, he says that he is working through us, and he, and he tells us, well, before he gets into what it means to work through us, um, he, he sets up for us um, what it is that, grum- that, that rejoicing is not. So verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And so the language here, grumbling, disputing, this is Old Testament language. This is language that was used to describe the Israelites in the desert uh, as they grumbled and murmured. Uh, this is a cycle that they would go through, right? God would, would be generous to them and, and provide for them. Uh, they would enjoy it for a moment and then start to grumble and murmur and complain. And then God would, would convict them and, and judge them. And then they'd repent and God would provide. And then they'd grumble and repent and provide. And there was this, this cycle. And at the end of Deuteronomy, um, Moses... Uh, gives his last will and testament, and in that last will and testament, he indicts Israel as those who are blemished, crooked, and twisted. And, um, and, and he indicts them as those whose hearts have turned from God to grumbling. And, uh, and, and that, that grumbling revealed in the hearts of the Israelites that they really didn't trust God. Instead, they were trusting in their idols. They were trusting in, in their temporary provision instead of trusting in the one who provides all of those things. But I want you to notice here this morning in our passage that um, the way that we grumble, and when we grumble, we're not treated the same way as Israel. Look at verse 14. It says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. What we see here is that, that where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. And, and that has implications for us because where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. Jesus did not grumble and complain. He went to the cross without grumbling, without complaining, fully submitting to Christ, fully submitting to the Father. And, and because of Jesus' success, we are now called not blemished and crooked and twisted, but blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked generation. Guys, that's, that's an incredible statement. That's an incredible statement that we would not, like Israel, be called crooked and, and blemished and twisted, but that even in the midst of our grumbling, he's telling them, stop grumbling, don't grumble, not because the Philippians are free from grumbling, but because they're doing it. And he's saying, hey, stop that because you have been made children of God, because you are already shining as lights in the world. This is, this is an incredible statement, guys. We... We are already lights in the world. Do you realize that? Um, he's saying, don't grumble and complain because that grumbling and complaining, it, it, it obscures the light. Like you might put a, a green or a blue filter on one of these lights and it, and it obscures the color of the light. But, but you are a light in this world, church. God is, God is shining his light of the gospel through you today. And, and in our lives, we, we display the glory of Jesus. And one of the ways that we shine the light of Jesus is by living out in our own hearts and, and swallowing down deep into ourselves the truth of the gospel. The truth that we have an amazing God, this, this God who takes the guilty and makes them innocent. This God who, who takes the crooked and blameless children and makes them pure and straight. Who takes the unwell and declares them without blemish. And, and so we rejoice this morning not only um, because God is working in us, but also because he chooses to take us and work through us and use us for his kingdom. 
He doesn't have to do that. But he has chosen to use each and every one of us to be those who declare his glory and beauty to the world around as we shine the light of Jesus, even though we are not perfect, even though we do fail and we do grumble at times. He, he works through us in our lives to display his glory and his beauty. I, I could tell you uh, some of the most amazing times of rejoicing in God for me have been when I've had an opportunity to actually share my faith with someone. Uh, those times where, where God gives the opportunity and, and I take that opportunity to speak the truth of Jesus, it stirs up something in us, doesn't it? It, it, it reignites our, 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 our faith and our passion and our love for him. And when we don't do this perfectly, friends, the, this, the truth that Jesus loves the broken that it as well displays God's glory. And so even when we fall short, we're still shining his light when we trust and lean on him. And the final reason that Paul gives for us to rejoice in our awesome God is because our God is returning for us. Because he is returning for us. And so in verse 16 he says, Hold fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. What Paul's doing here is he's helping us to fix our eyes on that final wedding day, on that wedding day that ultimately really matters, on that wedding day when, when we will be the ones coming in as the bride and we'll be fixing our eyes on Jesus as he returns. And that, that day when we will see him face to face and we will be changed and we will see him as he is and he will, he will change our hearts and our lives so that there's no longer any need to try to rejoice because we will see him and we will rejoice with him with all of our hearts. And, and that day we'll be free from, from the chronic pain, from, from the root canals, from the, the struggles with depression and grief and sorrow, from, from loss and sorrow and hurt. And on that day, we will see Jesus. And, and, and that day is the day that Paul is living for. And so he's setting himself up as an example for us to follow, as one who is, who is waiting for the prize for him at the day of Christ. He says there, I, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud. Paul is looking forward to this day of Christ when Jesus returns, that he is going to receive a prize. And part of that prize is, is actually being able to share eternity with the Philippians, and with you this morning. Uh, part of the prize that Paul is looking forward to is, because remember, these commands are all to the church gathered. Part of that prize is that we get to spend eternity together. Is that those that we've invested in in the church, those that we've invested in outside of the church, that we've given uh, our lives to, to building up in Christ, we want to share forever with them. Glorying and rejoicing in God together. And there's something about a worship service like what we have this morning when we can all sing together that's, that's giving us a little picture of that. A little picture of that rejoicing that will one day be when, when Christ returns and brings us to himself. And so, and so Paul says, um, hold fast to the word of life so that the day of Christ I may be proud that I didn't run in vain or labor in vain. Paul's not really concerned. He's already expressed that his confidence that the Philippians are going to make it to the end. But he wants them all there. He wants them there rejoicing with him and looking forward to this day when they will receive their prize. But the great prize that, that Paul ultimately is looking forward to on that day is the prize of Jesus Christ himself. 
It's that hope that we have and that you have this morning that, that when he returns, we will see him as he is. That, that Jesus that described last chapter, that, that Jesus that is exalted on high, perfectly purchased for you, eternal life, and we will see him and we'll be made like him and we'll be conformed to his image. And so church, that is the hope that we have this morning. That is the hope that you have this morning. And that is the reason that we have to rejoice. We this morning can rejoice. We can put off grumbling and put on rejoicing because we have a God who is working in us. We have a God who's working through us in all of our mess and all of our garbage. He is working through us and we have a God who is returning for us. And so because of that, we can, we can take delight in him this morning. Because of that, we can sing to him this morning with joy. We have an awesome, reigning, incredible God, and he is near to us. He is with us, and he is bringing us back to himself. And I want us this morning, even as we, as we begin closing the service and we spend some time in singing, I want us to, I want us to forget ourselves for a moment as we, as we set our eyes together on the glory of Jesus, on his beauty and on his majesty, and that we would rejoice together in him. Looking forward to the day when he will return and make all things new. Looking, looking forward to, to the promise that he is going to work through us and, and taking comfort in the truth that he is working in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So would you rejoice with me, church? Would we rejoice together, church, in this Jesus that we look to, in this God, and his spirit that, that he sent to us? Let's rejoice together in that, shall we? Yeah, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, Father, that you are a God who is on high and exalted. Lord, we praise you because you are a God who is above all the, the details of our lives and circumstances. You are above them all, Lord. You see them all. You are, you are exalted and, and, and have seen the beginning from the end. But you are not a God who, who, who refuses to be engaged in the details of our lives and circumstances, Lord. You are, you are working in us daily. Uh, you've sent your spirit and you know the details and the ins and the outs of every moment of our lives, Lord God. Thank you that you are, you are working in us and that you are working in us to give us a heart of rejoicing and not grumbling. Lord, thank you that you choose to use us, that we can, that we can rejoice in you, Lord, because you use us in this world. Lord, I pray that you would make us a church that is having an impact on this city, having an impact on our neighbors and our, and our, and our schools and our workplaces. Lord, I thank you that we have the hope that you will one day return for us, that one day we will see you and we will be like you when we see you. And we will never have to work hard again at rejoicing, but it will come natural because, because you have shown us your face, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to rejoice in you. I, I pray that we would party for you, Lord God, in our hearts that we would have just a, a delight in you that is inextinguishable because of the truth of who you are. We pray these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more resources or see how you can donate to this ministry, simply visit palmvista.org. And be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with upcoming teachings.